Citizens, you're now trapped in a nerd cage with your hosts Mark and Jay. We hope you have a smashing good time. Yeah. <laughs> yes, hello and welcome. That's right, you're trapped in Nerd Cage Live. This ain't just a reaction show, but a debate show and a live discussion that makes People like you and I tick, so thank you for joining us tonight. I am your co-host, Jay St. G, coming to you live from Syracuse, New York, and always with me, my man, The Fiend from Louisville, Mark Withers. What's shaking, boss? What is going on, man? I am beyond excited uh, for today's episode because normally we hit you guys with uh, whatever movie news is going on this week or next week or what have you, but this week... In honor of the 20th anniversary of this film, which I think started the golden age of comic book movies, we decided to dedicate a special episode to 2000's X-Men. Yes. I can't wait. I mean, there, this, you know, just digging into some of the lore and some of the, some of the behind the scenes stories, there's just so many factoids and interesting things to talk about here, but you know, before we even dig into that, I wanted to see how you felt about this, Jay. Well, growing up, this movie came out at the right time. Like everything struck, lightning struck where when it needed to. So when I was growing up as a as a kid, um, keep in mind this 20 years ago. The, when the movie came out, I was in between sixth and seventh grade when the movie came out. I went opening night with my mom and my sister. But leading up to X Men, I was hooked. Since like kindergarten, first grade onward, I was hooked on the 90s cartoon. So like that was fresh in my mind that the show was still, the cartoon was still airing prior to the movie coming out. Uh, Rather if it was on, I don't know if it was on like, I mean, it started off on Saturday morning cartoons, but it eventually used to be on like after school, you know, Monday to Friday after school. Right. So the cartoon itself is what got me into X-Men in the first place. And like everybody else, my favorite character was Wolverine. And mm-hmm. of course, this is like before the internet really struck with the YouTube and all that. I first saw the trailer, uh, I believe it may have been like around March or April before the movie came out on, on Entertainment Tonight. And I remember my mind was blown seeing the trailer for the first time again on TV, no YouTube, no internet. And I couldn't, I had my calendar marked like, oh my God, X-Men's coming out this summer in July. I cannot wait. And it's, a very, very, very happy memory of, you know, of, of a different time in my life. You know, like I said, I was going into seventh grade. And again, the, the movie, there's so much to talk about and so much to break down. In fact, I just got done rewatching it uh, just before uh, we did, our, did this recording. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that you're not alone in that. I mean, you know, X-Men for me was, that was my gateway into comic books and then also ultimately into cartoons and comic book movies and all of nerd culture. You know, I got my mic kind of blocking me right now, but if you can see I'm wearing my Wolverine (laughs) shirt, you know, like, uh, you know, this is is something that's been a huge part of my life ever since I was, you know, before I even became a teenager. And, uh, you know, even back then we were hearing rumblings of like a film, like a movie being developed. And it turns out kind of digging into some of this stuff that a lot of that stuff was true, you know, like they had a script that was written by uh, Jerry Conway 
uh, back in 1984 and they had optioned it to Orion Pictures. And the only yeah. reason why it never got made was because Orion was having financial difficulty at the time and they had to sell off their option uh, for the film to, uh, I think it was to Fox ultimately. And yeah. then and then Fox kind of, it, there were a couple different iterations of it. Uh, they cast it a few times, but uh, ultimately, you know, Fox kind of waited until like the late nineties to sort of really dig in and develop it into something that was gonna be tangible. Yeah. The, in, the super interesting part about that whole thing is that um, the very first, you'll never guess who the very first uh, actor was that they that they cast as Wolverine. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guess. John Travolta? No. I'm just guessing. I really don't know. I mean, Bob I Hoskins. Do you know who really? that is? The guy yes, from yeah, who framed Roger Rabbit was gonna be Wolverine. Yeah, Mario. Oh yeah. What about? And it wasn't Russell Crowe another one. Russell Crowe was offered the role, but he declined. And he was actually friends with Hugh Jackman, and he uh, recommended him. Hugh yeah. Jackman. They didn't go on his recommendation at first. They picked uh, an actor named Doug Ray Scott, who a lot of people will recognize as, uh, you know, one of, he, I think he was the villain in Mission Impossible 2. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he accepted the role, but then had to back out because of scheduling conflicts. And they were three weeks into filming before they decided on Hugh Jackman. And he also mentioned to me, and this is funny, he mentioned this to me, uh, it was maybe like a month ago we were talking, and he said originally it wasn't Halle Berry supposed to be Storm. Correct. So uh, back in 1990, they were uh, attempting, James Cameron was attempting to get the film off the ground and he had hired Catherine Bigelow to direct. A lot of people will recognize that name because she uh, directed Zero Dark Thirty and I think the Hurt oh, Locker. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so back in those days, I think she had done, um, I'm trying to think of like the, the big movie that she did before that, but I can't, it doesn't come to mind. Anyway, they originally cast Bob Hoskins and then they offered the role of Storm to Angela Bassett. Which would have been great. <laughs> I've been I've been fan casting Angela Bassett as Storm forever. Like ever since I was a little kid, I I, yeah. I thought that. I was like, man, she would be perfect. So the reason why she didn't accept the role is because they couldn't meet her salary requirements. She was a huge star at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and at, you know, she was just a little bit more than what they could afford. So then their second option, and you're never gonna believe this. Okay. Janet Jackson was offered the role. What? Janet Jackson was offered the role once. I mean, school. I'm not knocking it because, to, to be fair to Janet Jackson, she was great in the second Nutty Professor movie. Sure, sure. And that and was, she was around, that was around justice. the same time. That was only a year later after X Men came out. Right. Um, wow, I never, never would have thought. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, the, yeah. So they offered her the role. I think she declined. And then there were a few uh, other considerations. I think Mariah Carey was in that mix. Um, there were there were a few other actors that they offered it to before they landed on Halle Berry. Huh, wow, I'm <laughs> I learned quite a bit today about this. Yeah, yeah, I learned a ton of like shockers. I mean, you know, there's actually, it looks like, a, like about, just looking at this list, there's about like 10 different actors that at, one point or another were considered yes. for the role of Wolverine. Would you like yeah. to hear them? 
<laughs> you know what? Yes. Just just go down the list. All right. Okay. So so we have Russell Crowe. We knew that. Mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves. Okay. Reeves, Mel Gibson. Aaron Eckhart. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Viggo huh. Morton. Edward Norton. And we mentioned Bob Hoskins. And then this one really kind of threw me for a loop, but it made some sense. So at, at some point before they before they offered the role to Hugh Jackman, they invited Glenn Danzig to come in and, and audition. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense because like the sort in the source material, Wolverine is about five two. He's really stocky. Glenn yeah, Danzig no. already has kind of the, the look that Wolverine would have had. Um, but he didn't even audition. He just he just turned it down. He was I'm like, glad. <laughs> Me too. Sorry, wrong. I like the Misfits and I like Danzig, but I'm glad that that right. happened. Like I said, the only one on that list that would have been like made me think, oh, I think he would pull it off is Russell Crowe. Oh yeah, but, Russell Crowe would have been. Great. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, um, I mean, we've heard funny stories about his personality. I think Hugh Jackman's personality and his charisma, things just worked out for the best. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you ask me, they they picked the right person for that role. I know, I mean, it's just, it's you, just you amazing. You can't get anybody better, I don't think. And I think Patrick Stewart's perfect, perfect as well. I mean, obviously, uh, I grew up in, the, in a Star Trek household, so, you know, right. that was really the, that was the person I recognized right away when I first saw the trailer, so. Mm-hmm. So my excitement level was already high, you know, yeah. so. Now, here's one thing I love about, I'm just going to talk, I'm just going to go off the things I love about the movie, and I'm going to talk about stuff that I rewatched that, that I'm going to nitpick, but for starters, the one thing that we haven't mentioned yet, I love uh, Tyler Maine as Sabretooth. Oh, wow, yeah. Tyler See, Maine was great. Yeah. I, here's the thing, Ty, so Tyler Maine, if I'm not mistaken, he's a Canadian, he was a Canadian wrestler, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yep. Some people, for those who don't know who Tyler Maine is, he's also Mike Myers in the Rob Zombie version of Halloween 1 and 2. So, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, wow. he's he's Mike Myers, it. yeah. So he's Mike Myers in Halloween 1 and 2, and I think he was also in the uh, Devil's Rejects. But he, uh, but he's just saying, he's, he's got the size and the look. Now, don't worry, I, I, I'm a huge, I like Leof Schreiber too, but Leof Schreiber was too small and didn't have the personality for Sabretooth. Tyler right, Maine. Right. I wish they kept Tyler Maine in, in the Wolverine prequel, and I also wish that they didn't... I mean, he's presumed dead, but we never saw Sabretooth again. I mean, and saying in the future films, not in the prequel, but in the future films, we never saw Sabretooth again, which is kind of a disappointment because, right. in my mind, he wasn't dead because he's got the recovery powers and stuff, so... Yeah, exactly. I never assumed that he was dead, and I always kind of wish that... He, that at some point we would have seen that version of did. Sabretooth again. Yeah. You know, my other regret is that that uh, I really wish that they had allowed him to talk more. Like he really didn't have any dialogue. Well, anymore. that's the thing. He's not, you know, I mean, he's more of a wrestler. He's not like, he's not like a full blown actor. Sure, sure. But The Rock was a wrestler too. Yeah. <laughs> you know but I, mean? I, I loved, I just loved the portrayal, the way he looked, the, you know, you know, the roars and everything else. I love like, it's how I envisioned what Sabretooth would have looked, Victor Creed Sabretooth would have looked like in a movie. I right. mean, it was just, they nailed, there's so much stuff that, that the original movie nailed. Another thing that they nailed in the movie, I love, even looking back at it, is the relationship between Xavier and Magneto, that they're frenemies. Right. They they established that right in the opening scene in, in the White House. 
where mm-hmm. you know he confronts him and says, "Hey, what are you doing here?" Right. And then he just says, "I will bring you hope, but stay out of my way." Like stuff yeah. like that, yeah. little stuff like that were great. And this is what here's where X Men changed the landscape of comic book movies forever. One, it started the trope of the Stanley cameos. Right. Stanley cameoed the beach scene. Mm-hmm. No dialogue though, but that was he was standing, you know. The Senator Kelly at the beach, there he was. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I loved is that I feel like Magneto on screen was the first villain, the first villain in in my in the way I look at it, in cinema history, in, in my view, that a villain that you sympathize for. Right. Not so much that you're rooting for him, but the fact but you sympathize, you understand his point of view, the the mutant superiority. You get it. Right. And right. I feel like Villains before Magneto in cinema, it was it was never like that. I feel like X Men was the first time, in my view, that where you sympathized for the villain. And and I agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, you know, I was thinking I was thinking about films that kind of came before that, you know, just to kind of think about like, well, did the Batman films do that? Did any of the Richard Donner Superman films do that? Darth and Vader. Right. I mean, you really didn't get like a sense of like what drove those characters, like the villains in those films, like you you did in this X-Men movie, right? Like, I mean, the opening, the very opening scene is a young Magneto in a concentration camp and he's being ripped away from his mother and he knows he'll never see her again. And his powers activate as a result of his emotion. And that, and you get a sense right away that like, this is what forms him. This is this is what scars him and makes him think the way that he does, you know, not just about, you know, uh, mutants being uh, separate from humans, but just like how he like how he and his family had been marginalized for their religion, you know, like and so like with a scene like that and with sort of like you said that 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 opening scene with him and uh, and Professor X in their conversation, it kind of gives you this, it kind of humanizes that character. Whereas before that, those types of movies, comic book genre movies, didn't really give you uh, the villain's point of view in that way. Yeah. And I think that's one of the big reasons why that film is so important. Yes. And then of course, Michael Fassbender just took that to the next level. I mean, that's a right. whole other topic, but I'm just saying like, again, Magneto in my mind was the first villain that you felt for. Right, right. And I'm, glad, and I, and I'm glad they started that trope. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think that um, I, I'm not sure if it was it was a conversation that you and I had, or it might have been a conversation that that I had with uh, with my friend Dion McGill on his podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, what I was saying is that like this was really the the first film that um, producers outside of uh, the comic book genre actually looked at and said wow, we can actually make films that transcend like the tights, like the superhero, all, all the classic superhero tropes. Yes. And we can, we can involve like real human stories and, and add drama to, you know, add drama and pathos to these types of films, Absolutely. you know? So in my view, this is really, you know, if not the most important comic book film, one of the, one of the most, because it, it kicked off a golden age for us. You know, yeah. whereas before everything was pretty much well, done. You could make the argument for Blade, though. You could, you could, but at the same time, it doesn't give you 
what X-Men gave you, which yes. is like Agreed. a humanized villain, you know, um, you know, Frost in that film, it, he's just a hundred percent evil. He just looks yeah. at humans as food, you know, and you don't really see like the vampire's point of view at all. Yeah, you, you don't know? sympathize for him either. Right. And this film, you actually, you actually get a sense of like, okay, this is what drives these other mutants to do what they do. And like, maybe they have a point, you know, so... So yeah, so you know, I've kind of rambled on enough about no, that. No, 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 this is great. So I want to talk about two more things that you may know or you may not know. Um that that you know, involving the first X-Men movie. One, now I don't know if there's ever been any pictures or footage ever released, but originally Hugh Jackman was supposed to wear a mask with the X-Men with the Wolverine costume. Correct. They they had him wear the mask and then and then, of course, uh, Brian Singer uh, pointed out, well, well, why is he hiding his face? What's the, re- what's the reason for him hiding his face? There's no reason for him to hide his face. And then right. he took the mask off and they never resumed, they never added that to the costume ever. So I'm wondering if there's ever, if there's footage or even pictures of, of the mask. I'm wondering what the mask, I'm just curious to what the mask would have looked like. But I guess they, the, it was made and he had, and he did wear it when they started filming those scenes at the Statue of Liberty. But for whatever reason, um, as I pointed out before, Brian Singer said, nah, we don't, we don't need the mask. The other thing, um, now there were a lot of deleted scenes, cut scenes, and the scenes they may, may or may have not filmed in the first movie. Right. One, uh, do you remember the scene right before Charles Xavier um, got knocked out by the Cerebro, the, the corrupted Cerebro? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Hugh Jackman said, hey, I'm not the one that put the, the, the sunroof, through, you know, at the at the train station, pal. And then they're arguing, bickering, hey, well, you want to stab Rogue in the chest. And then, you know, and then Halle Berry comes in, hey, Senator Kelly's dead. Right. And then, and then this, and then right there, Patrick Stewart said, okay, settle this. What was supposed to happen after that scene, we were supposed to see the danger room. Um, Patrick Stewart wanted um well xavier wanted uh, cyclops and wolverine to duke it out in the in the danger room to settle their differences we never got to see that i don't know if it was ever filmed or not but intentionally there was supposed to be a danger room in the first x-men movie it just it never happened right yeah i mean and i had heard the, the story about the danger room before um mm-hmm. i would love to know if like that's somewhere in the outtakes i imagine by now if it existed yeah. that we'd see it in some point, you know, yeah. like it, in some form. Um, but, you know, that would have been amazing to see. Um, also, like, in addition to like the Wolverine mask, mm-hmm. apparently originally the, all the X-Men were supposed to have costumes that were similar to how they appear in the comic. Yeah. And they did uh, several camera tests with like Cyclops wearing like the traditional blue and, and yellow, yeah. the blue and gold. You know, they had um, Jean Grey uh, dressed up as Marvel Girl. And, yeah. But those camera tests made them look silly. And they did. That's why want... they threw that joke in there. Would you right. yellow spandex? That's why they exactly. threw that joke. Yeah, that was like, yeah, that was meant to be sort of an inside joke to everybody because yeah. they had done these camera tests and it just looked ridiculous. <laughs> so they decided yeah. to go. Yeah, with no, them. I'm, I'm glad. I, I understand that the, the whole Matrix, you know, the black look kind of 
I mean, it was kind of overdone for, I mean, not, and this is no, not by X-Men's fault at all, but after sure. X-Men, the whole, you know, wearing the black suit matrix look kind of caught on way too, it was, it went on for way too long in like other films. Sure. I, I mean, I think it, I, 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 I understand why they did it because I agree. I can't mm -hmm. picture, it, I don't know if I could have pictured, you know, the yellow spandex, the blue span. I don't know if I could have, you know, pictured that in the movie. I'm glad they went with the black. Sure, me too. I, I agree with that 100%. Like, I think that all started with Batman, actually, like the 1989 yeah. Batman, because his suit was all black and it didn't appear like that in the comics, like yeah. in, in any like form that I knew at that time. And once they did that, I think every comic book related film, every character that they had, instead of having them in their actual Bro. colors, they would just have them in like a black suit, you know, yeah. like, and that was just sort of like the accepted thing. Like when I first watched it, I didn't even think twice about it. I wasn't like, man, it'd be cool to see like Wolverine and like the, the blue and gold or like the- Yeah, see, I didn't think about it because I thought the characters were portrayed so well. Right. That yeah. it didn't bother me that they weren't wearing the traditional costumes. The characters were so done so well, it didn't bother me. I, I, I fell in love with the movie. Again, uh, Magneto's, costume was pretty traditional and so was uh Sabretooth's parents mm -hmm. um yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything else about the movie that um i mean like i said i, I don't know if i'm right do you want to hear my nitpicks or no <laughs> sure i mean you know okay. yeah Dorn, again to, this is not anything bad the, the negatives the, well it's not necessarily <laughs> negative but there's one thing that i didn't catch as a kid as i caused an adult this this bothers me this is the one the one thing in the movie that makes zero sense to me is when uh, Mystique breaks into the mansion and goes under, you know, disguises herself as Bobby, uh, AKA Iceman. Right. How did Xavier with his powers not know, wait a minute, we have an outsider in here. Like, how did they not, e even uh, Wolverine, he was in the, in the mansion, why didn't he sniff it out? Like, why didn't he sniff it out and why didn't um, Charles with his powers pick up on that? that that's one thing that bothered me. Yeah. I think oh. like, you know, let me answer that one though. Cause I think I do have an answer for it. Like okay. not the okay. Logan okay. part. Like I think like the Wolverine part is for real. Like, like I agree with that part. The other part, like with the, with Xavier, not like figuring it out right away. Like, I don't, I don't know that they explained it in the film or not. It's been a long time since I've watched it, but yeah. in the comics, they make a point of him like drawing the line at reading people's minds all the time. Like he's like, it's not the right thing to do to be in people's heads. So yeah. it could be that he just wasn't, he wasn't like tuned in to like Mystique's thoughts. He just like saw Bobby Drake and just like, okay, it's Bobby and didn't really like, you know, didn't get a sense, like nothing pinged for him because he wasn't looking for that. That was how I've always reconciled. Okay, I, I guess. All right. I mean, some it's still. I guess it's whatever. I mean, I guess you have a good answer for that one. Now, yeah. here's one thing that um bothered me a little bit. You know, well, even when I first saw the movie. Now, I, I wish I didn't like the the decision of them killing off Senator Kelly. Right. Um, because in the cartoon, he was pivotal. We we you know we did. I love how he's portrayed. I love how the fact that right. he was. He was uh, he was. It was all, great. He, he was cast great too. Yeah, like, I yeah. I don't know the actor's name, but he was in the Crucible. Um, yeah. But anyway, but I liked how he was portrayed. How he was he was helping on getting the Mutant Registration Act, and it was the same thing in the cartoon. Mm -hmm. Now, what what bothered me is they they killed him off so well. I should say so soon, but they killed. It would I think it would have been better to keep him alive because 
we didn't get to see him change in the cartoon we see him change his mind and his feelings right we never got to see that the other thing we didn't get to see i mean they kind of threw it in there as as an easter egg but originally if i'm not mistaken correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't his son supposed to be a mutant with stretchy powers and he said i'm sorry dad and then he freaked out that his son was a mutant right they didn't have that in this movie so instead when they when they he got irradiated from that machine he he had the stretchy powers himself and then he died right. from it i just think it would have been better if they kept him alive and we and we, we didn't get to see that character evolve to what yeah. we knew maybe my maybe the reason is maybe they didn't know if they're going to make another x-men movie or not but i would i wish they would have kept senator kelly alive and we get to see that character evolve we didn't get that we didn't get that yeah and I, I i think that is the reason you know like you know we live in an age now where you know we you know we have the luxury of assuming that like hey if a comic book movie is made it's a franchise and they're gonna make two three four five movies off of it you know yeah. but back then it was like a very very touch and go genre yeah. right like like it was very unlikely that like x-men was gonna be a hit outside of people who were unfamiliar that were familiar with the characters yeah you know so i think like they're the studios prop the the studio was probably thinking that hey we need to make this change just in case you know what i mean just in case this is our only shot to tell like his story but to, to tell his arc you know and but i agree with you like it would have been much much better if they would have um, allowed him to sort of transform emotionally and like kind of change yeah. his mind about about uh, about how you know about the mutant registration act, and we you know it would be great if we got to see him as Senator Kelly, the ally of mutants. Yeah, and you know another disappointment, not disappointment because it was it was in there if you, if you watch all the behind the scenes footage, but there was supposed to be a dialogue between um, Magneto and Senator Kelly right before he irradiated him. There was supposed to be a long dialogue when he was, you know, remember he was dragging him for the chair. There was supposed to be a long dialogue that they cut out and it's a damn shame that they did because we, you know, it would have been great to see them arguing about their differences of what how they view mutants. And it's a damn shame they cut that out of the movie. It was, it was done. If you can find the behind the scenes footage, it's out there. Uh, and the other thing that's kind of disappointing is um, one thing we haven't mentioned yet, Ray Park, who a lot of people know, best known as Darth Maul right. from Star Wars Episode One. When you have a, a martial arts superstar, stunt, stunt man, stunt coordinator, Ray Park, I wish they had done more with that character as far as fighting. We didn't get to see enough of Ray Park's, Ray Park's skills in the movie. Um, yeah. That's a little bit of a letdown. I don't know how many if there was like more fight scenes that were in there, mm-hmm. but I feel like the movie kind of you know gypped us a little bit in Ray Park's abilities. Right, and and yeah, I I feel that way about a lot of the characters. You know, like mm-hmm. I would have loved to see, you know, much more of of Storm using her powers. I would have loved to see like an actual all out like a real battle between the X-Men and the Brotherhood, the way that they do that in the comics, where you have like yeah. two or three on each side and they're all fighting each other. Like that's, I kind of was expecting that 
when I first watched it, it didn't kill the movie for me, but it was a little bit of a letdown. That's like, oh, yeah. we get this one like quick scene of Storm like electrifying uh, Toad. You know, well, like, she also electrocuted uh, Sabretooth at the train station. That was sure. awesome. Yeah, that was, and that was awesome. You know, um, but yeah, there were just like these little quick snippets yeah. of using their powers as opposed to like having a real battle, which we did see in like subsequent X-Men movies. But yeah, in, th in that first one, I think it could have elevated if they, if they had done some stuff like that. And another thing that this movie got right that I wish they, they followed up with, they did, they did in X-Men 2, but not the other movies. I loved, I want, I want to shift gears to Mystique. Right. Rebecca Romaine was amazing. This was my introduction to Rebecca Romaine. I didn't know who she was prior to this movie. But for those who don't know, maybe you do know, she was in fact completely naked. And she right. was wearing prosthetics, blue mm -hmm. makeup. And it's just pretty cool how a lot of those camera shots, they they did they they were quick shots so you didn't see any of her um, you know, parts exposed. Sure. Trying, to, trying to keep it G rated, but like mm -hmm. but she was in fact naked and the way that they moved the camera around and, and you know, I thought the camera work with Mistake was done brilliant, brilliantly and the makeup was amazing. But the one thing that bothers me that this movie got right that the other X-Men movies, you know, Jennifer Lawrence, they didn't do this with Jennifer Lawrence, is when she spoke. When M Mystique spoke, she had that creepy voice. Right. And we never saw, I mean, we never saw that again. Right. I mean, a little bit in X-Men 2, but we never saw that creepy voice again. And then when Jennifer Lawrence played the character, they never had her with that creepy voice. I mean, that that kind of bothered me in the other movies. I love how it was done, how she had that creepy voice because the, the creepiness, the eyes and the her her movement, the way, like for example, like her movement, like when when she like gets up, when, when Wolverine knocks her down, then she gets up, she does like that spinning move and she gets yep. up and, and then she's like climbing the pole with just her hands with her legs up in the air. Like, my God, it's so cool how they made that character look and behave and Oh, it was just great how it was done, and I feel like they never, all the other X Men movies never matched that ever since. Yeah, and you're right about that. I I, I will agree with that. I mean, X Two to, to a certain extent, like I, I just think that her portrayal, like she really got the character. You yeah. know, like you know, um, just you know, reading anything with Mystique in the comics, like that's the the voice you envision. That's yep. how you envision her actually moving. And yeah, like, exactly. you know, her, how she would act and stuff like that. She really like, like was tuned into that in a way that I don't think that Jennifer Lawrence ever was. You yeah, know, yeah so. no, I hundred percent agree. Um, another thing too, I, I love about the first movie, even, and I, as, as a fan of the X-Men, I caught onto it as a kid too, is the attention to detail, the little things, especially the one thing I don't, I don't hear anybody talk about. Uh, going back to Sabretooth, um, Obviously, Wolverine, his we go into this movie with Wolverine's memory already been erased. Right. Okay. And it looked like if you caught on to it, it was the that Sabretooth was suffering from the same thing. Because the scene where he was looking at the dog tags. Right. He, he took the dog tags from, from Logan. The Magneto grabbed him. And then, you know, asked, where's the mutant now? Puts him on the table and goes, come on, we have work to do. And then he, he, he starts walking. Then he turns around looks at the table and he grabs the um the dog tags and then at the end of the movie he's wearing them and then you know during the fight you know logan grabs and goes hey this is mine like right it's just great that the, the tension to detail and it's a damn shame we never got to see this explored more again it's a missed opportunity in, in the other movies is that they 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 established that 
Sabretooth was suffering the same thing that Logan was going through, and he had they had he had no clue of the connection that they had. Right. You know? And it was cool that they had at least this movie had it in them to kind of put those subtle hints out there. Right. You know, I I agree. You know, like I really wish that they had kind of delved a little deeper in mm -hmm. the subsequent movies that came after that. You know, yeah. uh, I think they touched on like the Weapon X program like a little bit, you know, you know, like yeah. the Alkali Lake stuff in the in the next film and, yeah. you know, dug a little bit deeper into into that in subsequent films. But that relationship between Logan and Sabretooth, at least that version of Sabretooth, I think that that should have been a much bigger part of the later films. Yeah. You know, like they shouldn't have just saved that for X-Men Origins and then changed the actor and then changed kind of, like they, it, it didn't work for me. Like that film yeah. partic in particular didn't work for me as far as like their dynamic. Like, mm -hmm. uh, it just didn't match with the, con you know, the, the continuity didn't, like, work in terms of, and like... And that that's been a problem with the rest of the films, the continuity. Right, right, right. you know, so... I don't know, any, anything else you want to add? Any nitpicks or anything, any, any praises about X-Men that we have, you know, that I, I haven't touched on yet? I mean, we could, we could talk about this film, like, all day. <laughs> like, we could turn this into, like, a two, three-hour episode if we really wanted to. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that, we, you know, we have a lot of, of, of other uh, aspects of the X-Men franchise that I think we want to explore. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I think we were talking about is, like, the moving rankings. Right, so yes. you and I have like kind of done battle on this before, but yep. uh, you, you know, I got my list right here in front of me on my phone, yeah. so I didn't forget. Right, and I've got mine right here. Um, Be my guest, go first. All right, so I'll go ahead and go first. I was gonna let you go first because you know, I like you said, like you've been waiting a long time, but uh huh. Uh, but one of the things that you and I differed on is that, like, you kind of count the Deadpool movies in there. So I, yeah. at last, at the last minute, I threw my Deadpool okay. stuff in. Okay, fair enough. So, so, so we, this is prior to New Mutants, by the way. Anyone who's listening, right. this is this is the twelve movies we that we've gotten so far. No New Mutants. Right. We haven't seen New Mutants yet. We don't know how good it is. I imagine it's probably going to rank pretty high because I'm a huge New Mutants fan. Hopefully, you know they've done justice with it. But uh, yeah. so from one to 12, I should probably do this backwards. So let's do, okay. let's do 12 first. Like the very okay. worst X-Men film, in my opinion, is Dark Phoenix. Okay. okay. Totally, you know what I mean? Like Fine. people, people <laughs> think differently about it. Um, but you know, number 11 for me is X-Men Origins Wolverine. Okay. For the reasons that I just mentioned. Yep. Um, number 10, X-Men Apocalypse. It had some, yep. Some good aspects to it, but for the most part, not that great. Yep. Um, number nine, X Men: The Last Stand. Okay. Um, the worst of the 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 worst of the the original trilogy of X Men films, but yes. not the worst of all the X Men films. Okay. Okay. Uh, number eight for me is Deadpool Two. I really enjoyed that, but yes. there are other movies I like better. Uh, number seven, The Wolverine. Okay, um, now they, that one's pretty high. So, so just real quick, uh, what what makes Wolverine better than the other ones you've mentioned? I just I just like that one probably a little better than a lot of people do. I like I, I like any story that involves Wolverine in Japan. 
Okay. Like there's there's a few, yeah, there's a few like different story arcs that he has where he's in Japan and and yeah. the different characters there. And, and uh, I just like that they explored that idea. And I like the concept of him like not having his powers. Like, oh, like all of a sudden I'm not healing. Like, like how do I deal with that? How do I, how do、oh, okay. I continue without my healing factor? Okay. So, so,、um, so yeah, so that's, that's pretty high up there, number seven. Number six for me is Deadpool, the first Deadpool. Okay. That was a, an amazing surprise to me.、Yep. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm a fan of the Deadpool comic. I really didn't think that they were going to ever do it justice, especially after seeing、um, Wade Wilson in the X Men Origins Wolverine, like how they did him in that. Like, I just was very mad about that. And I was worried that, like, when they actually did a Deadpool standalone film, that they would、yeah. take. Way too many liberties and not make it good, but I was surprised at just how good that movie is. Yeah, that was a surprise. Yeah, so number five,、uh, X Men First Class. I, I, I just loved everything about that. I, I loved that it was a period piece. I loved that they really explored、uh, Magneto and went deeper into his、mm-hmm. origin, the relationship、yes. between he and, and Professor X. You know, like starting out as, as, as good friends, and, and even within that friendship, seeing like the seeds of their discord, like seeing,、yeah. like, okay, I see it differently. I see the, the solution as this versus、yeah. a peaceful solution.、Um, number four, the original X Men, mainly because that to me is the one that kicked off the era that we're in now, which is、yep. good, high quality. Stories very well told, very well directed, with、um, you know, in a lot of cases, Oscar winners, you know, Oscar winning actors.、Uh, number three, Days of Future Past. I think that, you know, I, in terms of like having a story that has to do with like time travel and things like that,、mm-hmm. you know, I think it was very well done. It has a few problems, but. Overall, it's good to see both the new X Men, the newer cast, and that original cast kind of in the same film and, and seeing, you know, how each character's different, how each character changed over the years and, and、oh, yeah. different, you know. So,、um, number two, X Men or X2, X Men United. Okay. To me, that's the truest, in, in my honest opinion, the truest.、Uh, X Men movie. Like, it's the closest、yeah. one to the actual comic in terms of its tone, in terms of the action,、um, just the, the whole anti mutant vibe and, like, like、um, just the animosity that they felt. Like, the, 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 this idea of them actually being hunted was, was more deeply explored in that film. The、oh, yeah. opening sequence with Nightcrawler. Yes. Me, one of the best, even now, like in terms of the effects and how he bamps, like how he、yeah. like transforms, I mean, transforms, how he teleports and stuff in that film. Like it's just incredible. And they picked the perfect actor to play Nightcrawler, Alan Cumming. I, I mean, I really wish that he had been in the, the rest of the films going forward. I really think well, that was. This opportunity. They,、um, I do, okay, well, I, I gotta pause you for a moment before you get to your number、sure. one. But、um, one thing that the, the first X Men movie did is it, this is then the wave of X Men video games came out. Now, this is where I have to, I want to point something out to you.、Um, when X Men, before X Men 3 came out, there was an X Men video game called,、um, 
I don't remember the exact name of the video. I want to say it was just called X-Men 3. Um, but it, 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 it was a prequel to X-Men 3. It took place between X-Men 2 and 3. Okay. And you played as Wolverine, uh, as portrayed by Hugh Jackman. Um, you played as Nightcrawler. And you played as um, Bobby, uh, Iceman. Right. They explained why this game, the game actually explained why that why Nightcrawler didn't come back. Okay. And in case you're wondering, uh, and it was Alan Cumming who voiced him in the game too, uh, or if if it wasn't him, it was sounded just like him. Um, they, the the this this video game takes place at Alkali Lake, and right. Wolverine confronts um, uh, Kelly Hugh again. That's Deathstroke Lady again. Deathstrike. Yeah. Yeah, Lady Deathstroke. 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 Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, as you go on into later into the game. Um, they're doing these dangerous missions, and then uh, Nightcrawler says to Storm, "Listen, what we're doing is against my peaceful, biblical nature." Okay. So at the end of the game, he resigns the X Men because he didn't want he was, didn't want to do any of the dangerous missions, fighting and all that other stuff. That's why he um, Nightcrawler wasn't in the X Men movies afterwards. They unfortunately they never referenced it, but it was explained mm-hmm. in a promotional video game. Man, that's still a huge bummer. You know, yeah. like, I, I think that there's so much, like, meat on that bone. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. As far as, like, that that character and his unknown relationship with Mystique, you know, like, that... They, they teased it. There they, was one scene together. Right. They teased it, but they never, like, gave us that that satisfaction of him, like like, discovering who she is to him. And yeah. discovering like his real origin, they didn't even ever give us that in X Men Apocalypse, which I really was hoping yeah. for in that, you know. But you know, it spilled milk anyway. Um, well, they, they did. Azazel, his father, was in first class. Sure. So they, but yeah. they never explained. Like you just said, they never explained. You know, there was a there was a ten year gap, and they never explained. Right. Right. Exactly. And that was another thing. Right. So like you know, they didn't. They never explained Azazel and and. Uh, and Mystique, you know, ever getting together. They never well, like- wasn't it, wasn't it a rape though? It wasn't- In the comics it was. There have yeah. been a couple of different versions of it though, I think. I think that- okay, like, Yeah, because I thought it was, that she, was, she was raped by Azazel and then mm-hmm. she had an affair with Victor Creed and she had another son. Um, right. And then of course, and then what we never saw in the movies, she was also Rogue's mother too, or adopted Right. Mother. Yeah, and they never, yeah, they never gave us any of that. Yeah. So, you know. Sorry to interrupt uh, you. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Like, it's, I love talking about this stuff, you know. But, uh, yeah, my number one pick is, you know, I think that you already know. It's yep. it's Logan. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. like, the best, arguably the best comic book movie, period. You know, in terms yeah. of the fact that it transcends the genre. It's not just, like, a movie about superheroes. It's, like, a character study about this you know, about this guy and, and, you know, what is actually happening to the adamantium in his body? Like, what's it doing to him? You know, yeah. what what is his life like after all the other mutants that he's yeah. known in his life are dead? You know what I mean? Like, it, and, it, and it introduces us to an interesting character, X-23. X-23, yeah. You know, like, incredible, awesome. you know? Like, and I, and I wish that we had seen a little bit more 
uh, of of her. Maybe we'll see a little bit more of her. Like not maybe just she'll that, but like at least Logan gave us like the braided R blood, you know, Wolverine slicing and dicing and this, this and that. We finally got to see. We finally get yeah, like a true Yo. yeah. We finally get a true version of like Logan unleashed. You know, rage and yeah. Side note, man. Like, um, I've been listening to, you know how like we talked about on on, on one of our episodes where Spotify kind of teamed up with DC and DC is yep. now going to be coming up with these like sort of audio dramas based yeah, on their universe. The Marvel did the same thing like a year ago. So there's a Wolverine series on Stitcher, and um, there's two seasons of it, and it's phenomenal. Like it's like incredible. Like the 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 stories that they're able to tell, like with Logan, as far as like him, like you really get a sense of like what's in his head all the time. Like what makes him so angry? What drives him? You know, like and and uh, yeah. So I just wanted to mention that man. Like anybody who's really interested in the Wolverine character in particular should check uh, should check out Wolverine: The Lost Trail. It's what it's called. In, in, in oh, okay. Awesome. All right, I guess I'll go down my list, but I'm, I'm going to go in from best to worst. Uh, so that way we can kind of, uh, again, my number one pick, same as yours, is Logan. Right. There is no there is no disputing that. Yeah, I, it's I undeniable. Was moved, I was moved by the movie. I love the fact that this movie was marketed as this is the last time we're going to see Hugh Jackman. This is going to be the last time we see is Patrick Stewart. Um, even though we knew what was going to happen at the end, but the execution, we already knew what was going to happen, but the execution still, still got to me, still gets to me to this day. I love everything about the movie. I love how it was shot. I love everything about it. Yeah. My number two, again, a little bit different. My, my, my list is similar to yours, but there are some things that are different. My number two is Days of Future Past, The Rogue Cut. The Rogue Cut. That sounds interesting. I, I don't think I've seen that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You haven't seen The Rogue Cut? No, I haven't seen The Rogue Cut. Oh, man. Okay, so for those who don't know, all right, there's two versions of Days of Future Past, the theatrical cut and the Rogue Cut. The Rogue Cut came out one year or, or close to a year after the movie came out on Blu-ray. The Rogue Cut has Anna Paquin in it. And oh, wow. there's some additional footage... Um, she, now she, her role is crucial. Is, I can't believe they actually took this out. I can't believe this didn't make it to the theatrical cut. So, they so Bobby and um, oh, who's the other one? Someone I think it was Bobby Katie and Pryde. no, it was Bobby and Magneto. They okay. go on a mission. They go back to the Xavier School. They go on a mission to rescue Rogue, who was oh, being wow. experimented on by Sentinels at Xavier School. Oh, they wow. needed Rogue. Okay, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we're talking about this. So they needed Rogue was <laughs> because Kitty Pride was getting tired. She couldn't hold on to uh, Wolverine's mind. She couldn't hold right. on, and she needed help. And it says well, the only help we can know is we we can go get Rogue, and she can she can transfer her power, absorb and her powers. Yeah, that's what happened. So they, so what happened was Bobby and Magneto go to rescue Rogue. In the process, Bobby is killed. I'm sorry, I'm spoiling it. Bobby gets killed at the <laughs> man mansion, and mm -hmm. so so Magneto and Rogue come back to the hideout, mm -hmm. and then Kitty Pride looks over like, what happened to Bobby? And then Rogue starts crying like, Bobby's gone, and then she starts having an emotional breakdown. And right when that happens, she grabs Kitty Pride by the face, absorbs her power, 
and 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 then is holding on to Wolverine's mind. Wow. That was that. I don't know why that got cut, but anyway, if you watch the road cut, that those scenes that I just described to you are in the movie that makes the movie better. Oh man, now I really do want to see it, even though you spoiled it for me. I'm but, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, but I had to point out what the difference was. It's, it was crucial. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's executed so well, and it and it brings the, the emotions even higher because of because prior, you know, obviously we we knew about right. the love triangle between Kitty, Rogue, and Bobby. Right, and right. It was so cool how they brought that back, and it also made sense that you know, well, hey, she can't hold on to him forever, and right, you know, she's getting you know. So I thought that was it was clever, I'm, and again, I'm baffled to this day why that got cut. I don't know if there's contract issues. I don't know, but yeah. So, so if you can find it, it's called the Rogue Cut of um, of X Men's Days of Future Past. And that's my number two pick. Awesome. Uh, my number three pick uh, is actually X Men First Class. Nice. Now listen, when X Men First Class came out, I was expecting to be crap. Keep in mind, we're coming off the Wolverine prequels, and um, we're coming off X Men Three, we're coming off X Men Origins. So at that point, I was done with X Men movies. Like, like I don't care that there's an X Men prequel coming out. We already had an X Men prequel, and it was bad. And then like Monday after the weekend, after it came out, everybody at work's like. Oh my god, dude! This movie's good. This is like Dark Knight good. I'm like, no way. This is no, no. You <laughs> got to go watch um, First Class, and I did. I went to go see it either Monday or Tuesday night after it came out, and I was blown away. Nice. And that was my introduction to Michael Fassbender and and uh, James McAvoy. And to me, Michael Fassbender took that role to the next level, and oh, I, I haven't turned back ever since. I loved X Men First Class. Um, great, great, great X-Men movie. Uh, number four, I'm going to go X-Men 2. Number five, I'm going to go the original X-Men. Number six, I'm going to go Deadpool 2 and then seven, Deadpool. I actually like Deadpool 2 a little more because I love Josh Brolin as Cable. And I love that they that, that they retconned Juggernaut to what he was supposed to be. Yeah. So in my mind, Deadpool 2 was better. But I'm but to be fair, to, but about these two Deadpool movies... I feel like the rewatchability for the, is not there for me because it's funny at first, but the rewatching it, it's not as funny unless you have someone in the room that hasn't seen the movie. But right. I just feel like the Deadpool movies rewatchability is not not that high for me as great those movies are. Number eight, I'm going to get shit for this. Number eight for me is Dark Phoenix. I oh wow like Dark Phoenix. It wasn't perfect, it, but my god dark phoenix was much it was better than x-men 3 and it was better than x-men apocalypse number nine is x-men 3 uh as bad as that movies was i loved kelsey Grammer's role as beast and the one thing that x-men 3 started that everyone else followed after that post-credit scenes x-men 3 oh, yeah you're right started the post-credit well excuse me he-man he-man in the the legends of the universe with the skeletor post-credit but, but it was really in the modern era, it was X Men Three right. post credit scene. But anyway, it was a bad movie. But I loved Kelsey Grammer as Beast. He's perfect. Um, number ten is X Men Apocalypse. That was a huge letdown for me. As great as um, was Oscar Isaac. Is that his name? Yes. As great as he as he was, the he wasn't Apoc. They didn't. I didn't think they portrayed Apocalypse is supposed to be the most powerful mutant, un, an unstoppable force. They killed him at the end in the stupidest way. Oh, I have my problems with X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> then number 11 for me is The Wolverine. Uh, I know you said the, the you defended that movie because of the, the J Japan setting. 
What right. bothered me about the movie is the portrayal of Silver Samurai. I hated it. Yeah, yeah, and I, can, number, I can agree with that. And then number 12, X-Men Origins Wolverine. That's just bad. No, it's not Hugh Jackman's fault. Hugh Jackman just did just fine. It was everything else around that movie. The terrible CGI on his claws. It was bad. It's the worst X-Men movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, I can agree with that to a, to an extent. I mean, it's definitely my second worst. You know, like it, I was so disappointed with that movie as a yeah. as a Wolverine fan. I was know, stoked like, for it. Like, yeah, before, I was beyond stoked for it. Yeah, you know, but oh well. Hopefully, they get it right the next time. <laughs> so, everybody who's listening, uh, tell us your list. Tell us what you think is your favorite X Men movie. What's your least favorite X Men movie? We'd love to know in the comments. Let us know. Yes. And uh, so before we go, uh, so Mark, uh, fan casting and, of course, the rumors of upcoming X-Men movies. Yeah. So, yeah. So as as you know, you know, like we're not going to get an X-Men movie in the MCU for quite some time. You know, Kevin Feige has already said that, you know, he's got his five-year plan mapped out. He's got all these movies. X-Men's not anywhere in that list um, I think they really want to take their time, kind of figure out this quote unquote mutant problem as far as bringing them in. Um, but eventually they're going to have to bring them in, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, to me, the most important casting out of out of the entire thing is Wolverine, right? Yeah. So you and I have kind of talked about it, you know, from time to time, mm-hmm. but I actually have like three actors that I think would be absolutely perfect. You okay. may know some of these names, you may not know some of these names, but I'll just go ahead and throw them out, right? So the first one for me is uh, a guy named Richard Armitage, who actually does, he actually voices the Wolverine um, audio drama, and he's oh. amazing in it. He's great. Okay. You probably don't know him by name, but he's right now he's on a TV show called Berlin Station, which is about like CIA agents in Germany. But more uh, famously, He's he's better known as Thorin in the Hobbit trilogy. He's like oh, the, okay. the leader of the dwarves. So he doesn't look like that in real life. That's like a prosthetic nose and a lot of yeah. things to change his face. If you look at his actual face, he's his features are very similar to to Logan in the comic. So okay. so I think that he'd be a good pick. I also think Dominic Cooper would be a good pick too because he's got the intensity, even though he's shorter than a lot of actors. But Wolverine's um, supposed to be short. Right, Wolverine in the comics is like 5'2". Yeah. Which no no actor on any of these lists that we've come across yeah. has been short like that. Um, Dominic Cooper, I think, is not that short. I think he's probably like 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, but... Um, you know, after seeing him in a few things, like he's he's the lead on the TV show Preacher, and like the the scenes that he's in where he gets really intense, especially like the fight scenes, are very similar to the way Logan would fight. Okay. You know, um, and I I just think he's a great actor. Um, and then my third pick is Manu ben- Bennett, who people will recognize as like Deathstroke in the Arrow TV uh, TV show. Oh, okay. Uh, he's also in Chronicles of Shannara. Uh, he's he's uh, he's a great actor. He and he's another tall guy, but you know he's got the you know the build for it as far as like how broad he is, yeah. got the physicality for it. Like he's got the gruff voice. I think he could bring some justice to the role. 
you know, so that's my three. So I'm curious to see like who you would pick. I got one. Uh, okay, again, I, I'm not really gung ho about seeing a new X-Men movie and in fact recasting because here's the thing, Hugh Jackman, unlike other actors who portrayed superheroes, Hugh, there's only been one Wolverine. Right. For damn near 20 years. Right. And I mean, there's been multiple Superman, multiple Batman. I mean, you could argue Robert Downey Jr., but he's only did as half as long as Hugh Jackman did. Half. Right. So like, oh, I'm just not ready. I'm not, I don't have it in me to be ready to see a new Wolverine, but if I had to pick anybody who I'm familiar with, who I think would nail it, you know, he's a handsome fellow and he's rugged and he's badass. My pick is Carl Urban. Uh, oh, is yeah. Working the boys has been phenomenal. And if you remember, he was Judge Dredd. Yeah. His, uh, I, I know it's kind of funny, but his chin acting in Judge Dredd is so awesome. And like, yeah. I just feel like he's rugged enough, fierce enough. He's, he looks almost, he looks similar to Hugh Jackman. I feel like he's got the the, the the body. I mean, he's not short, but but he's muscular. He's rugged. Um, I think he could pull it off. I agree with that. I mean, I think that Carl Urban is phenomenal in pretty much everything that he does. And, I, yeah. and personally, I remember, you know, watching season one of The Boys, and there were definitely moments where I was like, oh, this is Logan right here. Like, yeah, he, exactly. he would make a great Logan. So you're right. I should have had that on my list. You know, like you I'm know, glad so you didn't because that's the only one I had. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, Feige eventually gives us somebody that that. Uh, or even go know. with an unknown. Hugh Jackman was an unknown. Maybe yeah, we'll absolutely. Unknown. You know, and a lot of times, like that is that's the better way to go, right? So if you pick somebody that's like super famous. You, know, you run the risk of just kind of thinking of that person like the real person like, oh well that's uh matt damon playing you know, yeah. over, you know not that they would ever pick him but you know what i'm saying so maybe yeah. like maybe that is the way to go is just to pick somebody who is just kind of unknown right now and and that having that role be the be the be the jumping off point for him absolutely we want to know who is who would you fan cast as the new Wolverine, or who would you fan cast as Storm or Rogue or Cyclops? We love to hear your picks. I mean, let us know in the comments. Who would you, know? you pick as Charles Xavier? I'm I'm curious oh. about that. I don't know. I mean, I mean, you could argue James McAvoy because he's he's in his 40s now, and you need Xavier to be older. But oh Christ, I don't know. I I, I didn't even think of that um, offhand. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking someone bald. Oh, you know what? <laughs> I got one. I got one. I got yeah. one. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not white, but I think he could pull it off. Um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Gina Carl Esposito. Giancarlo Esposito. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right Shave on. His head, and I just think his, his mannerisms, the way he talks, how well-spoken he is. Mm-hmm. I think he wouldn't, he's not, it'd be an odd choice, but he's, he's of the age. Right. I think he'd be a great Charles Xavier. I wouldn't be mad at that choice. I mean, it's funny you mention him because there's sort of this, this now longstanding rumor that he's actually being looked at to play Magneto. Oh, ooh. Yeah. Okay. Like to me, that would be a pretty interesting choice, right? Because we already know that you know, we 
I don't think that, you know, if they set the X-Men in, in modern day, right? Yeah. Like they yeah, can't you, continue. You can't do the concentration camp. You can't do the, like Auschwitz anymore, right? Yeah. So there's this theory that that uh, they're going to use Giancarlo Esposito, or they're going to cast Giancarlo Esposito, and they're going oh. to use the Rwandan genocide in villains. the 90s. Oh, yeah. as a, and then in that, you kind of have a baked in conflict between him and Black Panther, right? Because you could say, well, the Wakandans knew what was happening and they have all this technology and they didn't help us when they could have. You know, they could have stopped the genocide. Wow. And so, you know what I mean? Like, so, like, I, I actually Look, like you, that. How do you write those ideas, man? <laughs> I actually <laughs> like that. So, so it would be cool if they did that. But, you know. Uh, getting back to like Xavier, I, yeah, I think- Yeah, you threw me off like, guard. <laughs> Who would you pick? Yeah, I, I, you know, there's a lot of different actors that like when I look at them, I, I think like, yeah, that'd be, a, that he would be a good choice. But I've always thought like Ben Kingsley would be a good choice. Okay. You know, you get a seasoned actor that's like right around like the age that Xavier would be in the comic. You know, he's already got a connection to the Marvel Universe, albeit with a different character. Yeah. You know, but that's not like the first time that that's happened. Yeah. So, you know, so, um, you know, he would be, I think he would be like a great choice, you know, um, just not even that he's particularly different. I think he's classically Xavier, but I yeah. think he would be so different from like a Patrick Stewart that yeah. you wouldn't make a, like the comparison. You would, your exactly. mind would just go in a different place. Yeah, so yeah, everyone let us know. Who would you pick as Xavier? We'd love to hear in the comments. We'd, I mean, casting's <laughs> <laughs> fun. This is what's the show. This is why we're in the nerd cage. Yes. Okay, you get to talk, speculate, and we get to make fan casting. This is what this channel is about, man. Yes, absolutely. You know, like, this has been definitely, like, if not the most fun episode, like, one of the, one of the most fun ones that I think that yeah. we've done. Like, I've thoroughly enjoyed, like, every second of this. Oh, and I absolutely. think we could, if we wanted to, we could like make this a whole like other hour of stuff. Oh Just, yeah, like, well, and we're gonna do we're gonna do more lookbacks. We have more anniversaries coming up. We're gonna do we're gonna do a lot more lookback episodes of you know twentieth, thirtieth, et cetera, et cetera, of anniversaries of films that you know that we really dig. And we we couldn't we couldn't pass up the opportunity to, to do the twentieth anniversary of X Men. It was just too big. It was right. It was right there. The timing was perfect. Right, I agree. You know, and speaking of like you know anniversaries coming up, we got like something very very special coming up for fans of the mortal Kombat franchise we're yes. not gonna say exactly what it is it's but we so have something we're working on something and mm -hmm. it's we're gonna we're gonna be announcing it very very soon i yes. think you guys will be really excited about it if you're a fan listen to me very carefully if you're a fan of the like me of the golden era of mortal Kombat, the beginning the first three games in the 90s if you're a fan of 90s mortal Kombat movies film and games the golden era we have something very special for you guys uh, and i cannot wait i cannot wait to reveal it me either it's gonna be a blast you know so stay tuned yes exactly well anyway before we go we pre please ask you to like comment ring that bell spread this show like fucking syphilis so to you i say from louisville to syracuse to all of our fans and friends around the world at nerd cage live enjoy life stay safe and good night. Sayonara. Ooh, trying to get out of the nerd cage, are ya? Well, before you go, hit that subscribe button. And if you're really intrigued, ring that bell.
Thank you for dropping by. Until next time, tell everyone you know about Nerdcage Live! <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs>